Hi, this is Esther, and you're listening to the Sometimes Always Book Club. We are reading Watchmen by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. Mystery solved. I, I agree with you, mystery woman. Can we get a beat behind that? <laughs> like, that's the one where, like, each time it's repeated, like, the tone of it increases. Yeah. <laughs> I love then, that song. And then you get the drop. Yes. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> This has to be a dysfunctional phone if you can't figure out how to stop it. Maybe I'm the dysfunctional one. Is it it one of those jitterbug phones? (laughs) Fuck jitterbug. I'm sorry. (laughs) What? Fuck jitterbug. Yeah. What's a jitterbug? I could go on a rant. (laughs) It's an old person's smartphone. No, they have a smartphone and then they have the flip phone. Okay. I know too much about jitterbug. Why? Don't make me go on a rant. Please do. I, I want to hear all yeah, that. Yeah, no, go on the Dirty, dirty. <laughs> you start and pique my interest like that, don't you dare. I gotta hear this uh, jitterbug dirt. <laughs> Give me all the lowdown on this jitterbug, don't you see? Just don't buy one for your mother like I did. Are they just like yes, trash no. at customer service? On off. Yes, and like they try and like talk all these old people into buying shit they don't need. It's like OnStar for your fucking phone and you don't need it because it's a they, fucking smartphone. Because they don't drive, first of all. Like... <laughs> Just because my mother shouldn't drive anymore doesn't mean she isn't. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the same thing with my grandma. She kept driving for so long, even though she couldn't fucking see. I'm like, Grandma, get the fuck off the road. Are you for real right now? Christ, dude. Old people wild. Old people are just fucking wild. I actually have a quick question about like how some of this imagery in chapter 12, like I could understand how that wouldn't make the movie because fucked up. Yeah. You said something like, just wait. Mm-hmm. What were you, were you referring to something in the show or in this? I'm not going to respond to that. Mm-hmm. All, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When you've okay. completed the entire, I have, re- I have read the whole thing. I didn't see anything in here. I, I spoke out of turn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks. I cleared it up for me. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad. I, I'm happy to help. Hi, this is Esther. I'm here with Andrew. Hello. Bob. Hello. Anne. What up? Zach. Hi. Katie. Hey. And we are at chapter and John's 12. John's not with us? Oh, and John. Oh, oh my God. John. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, John? Way out there. And we've got our man in the field. <laughs> and then we go to John with the weather. We're at chapter 12. We finally made it. <laughs> we have arrived at our destination. I'm so yes. happy. No, we're here. Chapter 12. A stronger, loving world. And the squid is literally upon us. Oh. That squid has hit the fan. Yes. So the first several panels are just images that show the destruction of the city. Wait, I forgot to tell you the opening image. Thank you. It's of a clock at midnight with blood running down the face. 
A yellow clock. A yellow mm-hmm. clock. Then we just get panels of the destruction of the city. And I was looking at these really closely today, actually, and noticing, especially as we get closer to the end of just that series, how we start to recognize people and we start to recognize things Mm -hmm. in those pictures, which is brilliant to me that we've led up to this from getting to know these people in the street at the newsstand and the characters and who they are. And now we're seeing the aftermath. So we have bodies and blood everywhere and Mm -hmm. tentacles. Oh, that's what that is. I like Mm -hmm. the, you, oh, yeah, (laughs) because the teeth fell down. There's a lot of pink and this green blood that stands out really, I I don't want to say beautifully, but (laughs) it's a very pretty green. It is. The last of these panels shows the entire squid itself, which, I mean, yeah, it's like, kind of crazy and sexual looking. We talked about that a few chapters ago. It's a vagina butthole monster. Yes, yes. <laughs> Rorschach's nightmares brought into reality. <laughs> With the flesh. We have newspapers scattered around the bodies of Bernard and Bernie on the last of these oh, yeah. pictures. I, I didn't initially notice that until I was kind of looking through mm-hmm. beforehand when we were you know, prepping for this particular chapter. When I noticed that, I was like, holy shit. Yeah, so we see them. I we like see... to think that the newspapers are kind of like the seagulls in Finding Nemo when they're all like, war, war, war. That's just how I read it in my head. Like, oh, war, war, war. I appreciate Thank you this for that look insight. into your head. I wish I would have been reading this as an installment. Can, can you imagine having finished one comic and oh, waiting for this I next episode? I hate it so much. <laughs> but then opening this up, oh mm-hmm. my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the first people to read this didn't have the luxury of having it all together. Yeah, yeah. when I first read this, even, you know, yeah, shitty 16-year-old Zach. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's back, he made his entrance. I'm back. But, like, every time I think about The Watchmen, this first, like, four or five pages is exactly the first thing I think of. Because it was, it was so visceral. You'd see it and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? You don't even, I couldn't even process it. I, I, maybe it's because I'm a, a dumb little boy at the time, but. <laughs> we do yeah. have a great moment here of very dark humor on that last page of the images with the Tales of the Black Freighter comic falling. Oh. <laughs> and we see an ad on the back for the Vite method and it has a little blurb that says, I will give you bodies beyond your wildest imaginings. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. And right below that is the mm-hmm. smiley face with the blood. Yep. Mm-hmm. I also like that the monster landed on the Institute for Spatial mm-hmm. Studies yep. and yep. it really shows how huge it is too. Yeah, and also, there's ads for the day the Earth stood still going on in the background. I love the little details in all these pictures. There's so much to see, and there's a lot to just take away from it. Not just with characters that we see, but just this moment frozen in time. And you have the the T coming off of the utopia on the sign and all these details. And it's one of those things that you can just look at and see something new every time you're looking at it. It's yeah, pretty like fantastic. The guy who runs the newsstand, his glasses broke down there and there's a little ink blot next to it. Oh, the ink blots oh, yeah. too from mm-hmm. Malcolm Long dropping all this yeah. stuff. So we have little ink blot pictures everywhere. I just noticed something too. So in that, that very opening page where the, the crowd is all at the Pale Horse concert, there's a little slip of paper floating through there. And it says G3265. And I thought that has to mean something. I'm trying to think of what that 
ties to because nothing is in here accidentally right so mm -hmm. while you're just talking i just googled it and it is the automatic automatic self-winding mechanism the most accurate watch mechanism oh weird in the world. yeah that's yeah. crazy so that's that's yeah I, I don't know why that's i mean just a random little blurb there but interesting is that, is that their seat yeah. number on their ticket <laughs> I would think so, because there's a bunch of other similarly sized pieces of paper that are floating down. It's like a, yeah. a true Easter egg. Very cool, though. I uh, More often than not, I tend to have this kind of thought that the human imagination can dream up things more menacing or scary than can ever be depicted or displayed on like screen or, or in print. But this is an occasion where I will actually say that I'm wrong in that instance, because... <laughs> This is so viscerally made and so well done that it's like, if I were to paint an image in my mind of the destruction of half of a city and we're only seeing a small part of it, yeah. I couldn't think of anything this horrifying, frankly. I think my brain would make it less psychedelic, but I absolutely agree with you. <laughs> yeah, it, it, we never see this kind of horror in <laughs> devastation, mm -hmm. especially in like print media or movies or whatever we never see blood just every literally filling the streets mm -hmm. like running down the streets a blue light explosion yeah. evaporates all the bodies yeah. and there's no mess yeah it's like it's so clean and sterile it's just like this really is no what if this was real on page five there you've got the uh the lover's silhouette and right below that you've got the two women that were fighting about the relationship laying you know in each other's laps and then right around the corner is the doctor and his wife who had just been fighting and it kind of horribly brought them all back together in that fact that we do care for them and it kind of uh, just really tugs at your at your emotions for that and then of course flipping the page and ending up with the two bernies yeah, yeah. well that's it's referred to at some point as the hiroshima lovers that graffiti so i think that's well i know that's intentional yeah is this is this drawn from an actual image or is this a fictionalized image of that kind of like that I don't know because it I thought you were talking about the monster. <laughs> I did it first too because no, like initially like looking at it right now. So if you if you get out of the shower and you put a, a mirror on uh, the floor, yeah, yeah, and then you get an idea what the monster oh, was okay. designed. Are you talking about my asshole? I'm trying to make a point, damn it. <laughs> what I was going to say was that the silhouette kind of reminds me of Dan's dream, where he's embracing yes. Lori. I feel like... I yeah. think those are definitely yeah. tied he looks, together. He doesn't look quite as, we'll call it portly, uh, in this silhouette. <laughs> so John and Lori stand in the middle of the carnage, and John is confused about the date and time because something is interfering with his ability to see what's going to happen. Realizing tachyons are likely to blame, he's oddly delighted at being uncertain about things. He senses where the pulses are the strongest and traces it to the southern polar region. Hmm. Hmm. Lori, on the other hand, is less than delighted and wants John to take her away from this destruction. She's extremely upset and gets to the point where she doesn't even want to look at it anymore and asks that he take her away, and he does. Sissy! <laughs> At Karnak, Dan and Rorschach question Adrian about his story. Dan asks what he would have done if the fake assassin had shot him first, and Adrian smugly says that he would have had to catch the bullet. I only bring that up because it's important later. At this point, Dan still clearly isn't processing the fact that Ozymandias has actually done this. Like, he's still thinking that they're at that point where 
we've confronted you before this happens. We're getting ready to stop you. And there's no way you've already done this. Like, he, he's just in I think he's in total the, denial. Yeah, total or denial. at least just doesn't even believe it because the story is so... Or the, the whole thing is so ridiculous. And how um, could you even possibly understand the scope? Even mm-hmm, if you could yeah. get past the ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. So Dan presses him further and Adrian tells him again in sort of like a funny offhand kind of way where he just sort of rattles it off all at once and tells him that the psychic brain in the squid was filled with horrific images, descriptions, and sounds that would drive people crazy if they didn't die from the blasts. And some people would have nightmares for years afterwards. The details are to convince the world that it is a true alien invasion. So I think maybe you were just about to say this, but something that really caught my attention when I was reading. So he's going through this whole big villain confession about killing like millions of people but he lies about killing his servants like he just says that they were drunk and opened the 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 dome thing and they died themselves tragically i don't think he's lying about it i think he's saying that that is going to be the conclusion that people come to or that that's i don't think he's lying i think he's saying it in a way that's implying that he knows it isn't true but that's just what the story that he's going with i actually thought maybe that was like a moment where he was wanting to lie to them because he he actually felt more guilty about doing that than he had done i don't think the other stuff but i I guess uh maybe that's not quite how he was framing it yeah so delete everything andrew said the discussion is interrupted by John and Lori on the monitor. On the monitor. On the monitor. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking nerds. Lori is half dressed in negative 40 degrees, but she does have some sort of like light around her that I think is some kind of warm shield. Yeah, that's what the air bubble looks like on Mars. I'm hoping he at least gave her something to keep her warm. Did he change his skin? Or sorry, his um, vibrancy? He looks darker as far as Dr. Manhattan in this. He's going to be on television again, so. <laughs> or he's Consensed. cold. <laughs> Maybe he is cold. I don't. Can he be cold? I don't know. Let's get a look at his wang. Then we can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the pool. I was on Mars. Yeah, what's the temperature on Mars? I can't remember. I'll look it up because I know it's, it's is definitely. Is it colder or warmer than Antarctica? It's way colder. Oh. <laughs> way colder. It's fine. <laughs> John realizes how far back and how involved it all is when he sees the tachyon generators and pieces together that Vite has been planning this for a long time. He's also weirdly confused and in and out of it due to the interference. He leaves Lori outside and goes inside to face Adrian. Just a little side note for you science geeks out there. It actually isn't. Uh, Mars has a high temperature today of minus 14 degrees oh, Fahrenheit and a, low, and a low of minus 117. So <laughs> it, it does ebb and flow. Make sure to bundle up today if you're on Mars. <laughs> it's going to be a wee bit chilly. And now we go to John on for weather on Mars. <laughs> John, how's it looking out there? It's cold. It's fucking cold. <laughs> so with John coming in, Adrian flees deeper into Karnak. I also like that moment where he's talking to Lori. I want to go back for a second. Talking to Lori and saying stuff that doesn't make sense and then coming in and saying those same things to Rorschach. Well, these tachyons, they're muddling things up. These plot contrivances are muddling things up. (laughs) Maybe that's why they called them tachyons. Like, they knew that it was, like, (laughs) tacky to put them in there. John, still confused, looks for Adrian. He sees Mubastus and follows her through what turns out to be an intrinsic field subtractor. 
Adrian flips a switch and disintegrates John and Bubastus. What a bitch. I will never forgive him for that. I know. It's terrible. I do love how John's skeleton still has the uh, symbol on his forehead. Oh. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Laurie appears with a gun and shoots Adrian. Calls him an asshole, which I don't know why I just like that. Attempts to shoot Adrian. Well, she shoots him. She seems to shoot him. She shoots at him. He falls to the floor and she approaches him and realizes that he has caught the bullet. Because he went, hi ya. <laughs> but she realizes it too late and he kicks her in the stomach. <laughs> he does. Time, time is tricky here. Dan threatens <laughs> Dan threatens Adrian, and Adrian shuts him down, telling him that he's being immature. When suddenly John reappears outside, giant, and breaks through the wall. <laughs> I really, that, was, that was so awesome. <laughs> hey, fuck you especially. <laughs> like, enough of this. I ain't fucking around anymore. I yeah. am very disappointed in you, young man. <laughs> and then Dan's over there going, ah! <laughs> My hot dogs. <laughs> so as he's busting through the wall, Adrian grabs a remote and turns on all the televisions to show them the news coming from around the world. With all the carnage and horrors of the supposed alien invasion, troops are being withdrawn and the hostilities are coming to an end and war is no longer imminent. And he announces, I did it, and declares the Earth is saved. Crying happy tears. Cries happy tears. Well, he says it twice, once while crying and then he like announces it triumphantly. I'm just imagining like, the triumphant Rocky music playing in his yes. head while this is going on. <laughs> I love when he, after Dr. Manhattan, like, busts down the wall right here, and he's like, you're, you're kidding me. Like, you thought that would kill me. Like, you are a man. I've seen everything this universe has had to offer. You were no different than the world's smartest termite. And he's like, well, I saved the world. <laughs> Wait, did you see that? Wait, you see that shit? And then Rocky music cues, Woo! <laughs> no, you, no, you and then he jumps in the air and it's a freeze frame. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Credits are rolled. The others kind of balk at this, but he tells them that exposing him would destroy the peace he's created and plunge the world back into war. And somehow this works. Well, I understand why it's, it works. Yeah, it's a lot like the snake episode in Rick and Morty, actually. Burn I only down. know one snake episode. Yeah. You're going to cry again. <laughs> How'd you do that, Bob? <laughs> so the others reluctantly agree with this, that they can't expose this or else that'll bring back the hostilities and that war would become imminent. Except. Imminent, <laughs> except for Rorschach, who Kiss refuses. He's a real checkmate. Just like, well, what can you do? No, like, not even in the face of Armageddon. Yeah, I love oh. that. No compromise. I thought it was kind of interesting that you had Lori, who's kind of been constantly going like, run down Rorschach and kind of not understanding his point of view on a lot of things and they end up both on the side of not really wanting to go through with this that yeah. in the end that they both have that same viewpoint even though they've been wildly different from each other throughout this whole story up until now mm -hmm. yeah and he's you know about this I feel that he doesn't want to compromise because it's just it's too far for him it's too much and the yeah. truth apparently is more important and it takes it to the ultimate extreme, too. You know, it's not like, like with the gray areas we spoke of before. You know, that, that was all kind of dabbling, and now we've taken it to the ultimate extreme, and he's still willing to stick to his conviction. But they're both utilitarian <laughs> in that Rorschach will do something violent that's small so that way he can, like, get information or something. And 
Ozzy just has more power at his disposal that he can destroy a whole city instead of break a couple fingers. It's a matter of scale. <laughs> so Adrian isn't too worried about Rorschach telling people the truth uh, since he isn't exactly stable and he doesn't feel that it's uh, that his word is worth much. So he basically just lets him go and offers Dan and Lori use of his house to freshen up. And then he goes off to meditate. And bang. To freshen up. Well, yeah, we haven't gotten there yet. I think he says, like, there are several restrooms. You're welcome to use any of them or something like that. And then he just goes off to his orrery. Hey, anybody want a hot dog? Lori <laughs> <laughs> uh, wants a hot dog. Uh-huh. I want to see you and taste you and smell you. What is that, Dan? What's that you smell of? Hot dogs. <laughs> I love how we're taking it's probably my favorite moment from this whole book and how kind of like sadly beautiful it is and making it a joke. Yeah. <laughs> like like the the like where nostalgia, this one thread comes together. It's actually hot dogs. It's hot, it's hot dogs. Although they listen That's been the scent the whole fucking time. It just smells like, like hot dogs. dogs. It smells like fucking hot dogs. It's pretty nostalgic. <laughs> Make of it what you will. <laughs> you know Dan really likes pegging. <laughs> no kink shaming here. No, 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 no. Dan will call him hot dog for nothing. Oh. Hot dog, Dan. <laughs> so after all this, Dan and Lori go and share a romantic moment by the pool. Which, now to bring it back to it, is a beautiful recall to the silhouette again. Yes. And then a wonderful mm-hmm. transition once again over to Rorschach. Mm-hmm. Just gorgeous transitions. And that's, like when I said in the very, very first episode when we talked about when we first read this, that's the exact thing that won me over with this graphic novel with those Rorschach's fucking, gorgeousness. Yes. yes. Beautiful, that's beautiful just, Rorschach. Yes. How can you not just want to... <laughs> Anyway, yeah, the, those cinematic, incredible transitions were the first layer of my falling into this. I really feel like this could have been a much better movie. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> Should we make it? <laughs> yeah, Dude, sure. Yeah, let's go. I'm about to buy a camera. Let's go. See, nice. there we go. Let's do yeah. it. Zach will be Rorschach. I will be Dr. Manhattan. No, I will be Dr. Manhattan. Are you fucking <laughs> no, kidding me? No, I'm Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> I'm Spartacus. I like hot dogs. Okay, okay, but here's the thing. Who has the booty to play Dr. Manhattan? Excuse me, I'm, I'm triple C thick, dude. Come on, I got that fucking wagon. I think we need to have a twerk contest. Remember, oh, we're in audio format here. <laughs> <laughs> I never want to hear that sound ever again directly piped into my ear canals. That's what these headphones do. Absolute asshole. <laughs> okay. Outside, Rorschach approaches the hover bikes when he's stopped by John. He tells John that he's going back to the U.S. to tell everyone the truth, and John refuses to let him go. Realizing he can't escape, Rorschach takes off the mask and tells John, do it. Oh, I thought so, he was yelling at Dan and Lori. Do it! <laughs> the moment's so heartbreaking for me because yeah, when Rorschach dies, like yeah. there goes he chooses he chooses to die as Walter, which is kind of yeah, yeah. It's really, amazing. He takes yeah. his face off and just like do it, and it's like oh, gets me in the honey nut filios every time, dude. It's it's a great what? scene. What? <laughs> but yeah, I've always thought like Rorschach's death. It does need to happen. Like there, there is no if ands or buts. Like that, that journal needs to have that punch because if he's alive for it, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, right? You know? Exactly. Like Rorschach went in kind of expecting to die, most likely. I did think it was kind of interesting that you had Adrian 
convinced that this wasn't really going to be a problem. He wasn't really worrying about it too much, but John took it upon himself to kill Rorschach because yeah. he did see that that could yeah. be a problem. So it's kind of maybe this really smart man can't really see all the possibilities he thinks he can. But John was macro over macro. You know, you could view it this way. John was smart enough to see that that potential and yeah. got rid of him. And also this is like the first time John actually interferes with history, right? Or does he No, he already saw himself doing that. I'm sure he did. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't yeah. really discuss it. They, they said on Mars, didn't they, that he killed someone? Yes, but yeah, he said he couldn't, couldn't it was who, hazy to him. Yeah, he couldn't tell who it was, but he knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's, I don't know, just seeing, like, Rorschach, the last frame of him with, like, tears in his eye, mask in hand, just do it. I'm always just like, no, no, not my boy. Don't do that to my boy. <laughs> Something just occurred to me, though. I, I wonder if Rorschach doesn't want this, if, if he doesn't put the threat out there in order to be put down because how can he live in this world now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. His entire evil. purpose is wrapped up in the dirty dregs of life and if, if the utopia does hold and it does work, what is his purpose? What is he yeah. going to do? How can he live with that? You know, it, it's kind of a perfect wrap up to his story and maybe he knew that and by throwing that gauntlet out there of saying, no, I'm going to go tell, he knew somebody would take him out. Well, and he mails out the journal. Like, he doesn't go yeah. into it thinking that he's going to get out to tell what happens. Exactly. He's expecting to die. Yeah, That's he, a good point. He needed his story to be told. Back inside, John walks the halls of Karnak, eventually stopping to watch Dan and Lori sleeping together on the floor, which seems, I don't know, it just seems really awkward to have sex on the owl cape. Also, at most, like, ten minutes maybe pass. Yeah. <laughs> asleep post-coital. Well, that well, that like, may just, well, like, she literally watched a whole city just die, and she's like, right. yo, we gotta fuck. You gotta <laughs> lay the pipe right now. <laughs> like, do you not have any punctuality? Come on, man. There's a time and place. <laughs> it's kind of the ultimate expression of, of living, you know, of surviving. Mm-hmm. Of all that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I do think it's a it's a throwback to comment about pegging, because look how they're laying. Oh, Dan's little spoon. Yeah. Hot dog, yeah. Dan. She's spoon. the bun to his hot dog. Oh. <laughs> and I love Dr. Manhattan's face right at, like, he's he's like, yeah. all right, yeah. Like, that's, yeah, this is good. Yeah, that's the way things should be. It kind of looks sad to me. It's a little, like, it's happy. Like, sad. Bittersweet. Like, yeah, Wistful. Wist, yeah. That's a perfect, okay. yes. Yeah. I think he wishes he could have provided that same sense of intimacy and comfort for Lori that he can see that she's experiencing with Dan. So, But he's also happy she found exactly. it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then, then you get the, the last where he walks away through the enormous wet spot. <laughs> Look how that's just trailing away from them like that. I mean, that is just... That was some pent-up energy from Dan right there. <laughs> because Dan's we're in audio man. format, nobody can see Anne just shaking her head so disapprovingly at me right now. <laughs> you bunch of sinners, you. It's confirmed Dan's Well, no, he walks across the fucking pool. Of course it's wet. Well, you call it the pool, I call it the wet spot. I mean, look at it. It's trailing right out from where they're laying. I mean, the, the owl costume just can only soak up so much, for Christ's sake. It's going to be like the, uh, the White House dress. They're going to be... <laughs> Are you just making like a thirty-year-old reference? It's fine. <laughs> we, we've got a wide demographic. I got to cover here. <laughs> so he walks across the pool oh, yeah. and, out to, find, and Which, out to find Adrian. Can can we make a, a connection yet? Sure. 
Oh, well, is that no, a, to, to... Is that a Jesus allegory? Uh, no, that's not where I was going, oh, but... damn. To the final scene. <laughs> I didn't know if you want to get into the show yet, the TV show. Oh, no, we're not talking about the show. Don't you dare... I thought you were talking about the final scene of the book. No, no. No, we're not talking about the, the final show. The final scene of the... Sh- I'm oh, here. I'm right here, Bob. I know that. Shut your Too cool, you don't... Bob. Don't talk about the show. Nothing happens in the show with a pool. Nothing. There's no pools. No, They're it's actually, outlawed. There's a total, total. Actually, pool. it's a whole Very bag last of, scene, there's a pool. It's a whole bag of walnuts. That's Thanks all for it not is. holding my hand, Bob. <laughs> Adrian is upstairs meditating in the orrery. What is an orrery, anyway? He says it twice. He's just being a jackass with his baby. Say, it's your douchebag room where you go to meditate. Yeah, it sounds like some new age fucking not white people I don't know. nonsense. Somebody look that up. Like, How is it spelled? O R R E R Y. Probably Egyptian. I was going to say some mm. Egyptian bullshit. Yeah. I think it's too spherical to be Egyptian. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is it the room oh. or is it the... Uh... No, it's the thing he's sitting in front of, the steampunk oh. looking thing. Okay, so yeah, he's meditating near the orrery. You can have your own for $235 on Etsy. Shut up and take my money. He tells John he thinks of the lives he has cost and dreams of swimming out to a something. He doesn't say, but... I'm assuming it's a, tied to the Black Freighter. He never finishes the thought. He knows what this has cost, and he still feels it was worth it. John is kind of just over all of this and decides to leave our galaxy for one less complicated and go create life of his own. Adrian asks him if it was all worth it in the end, and John says one of my favorite lines, which is, in the end, nothing ends, Adrian. Nothing ever ends. I really like that line. Oh, it's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I, I love that's the response to basically like, hey God, did I make the right decision by bil- by killing like hundreds of thousands of people, like, mm-hmm. and trying to create this false sense of peace? And he's like, nothing ever ends, Adrian. You, we don't know. Like, well, we don't know. And like, he really wants someone to be like, yeah, you did a great job, buddy. And there is nobody he can talk to about it. So yeah. he's like, the last he person there. Servants, he's like, like <laughs> tell me you did a good job. And he's like, yeah, no, fuck you. <laughs> and I love that the last You'll get your satisfaction. the last image we see of Adrian is him alone looking over his shoulder by himself with no one left there. Look upon my works, ye mighty and despair. Exactly. So we jump ahead to Christmas. Uh, Sally is answering the door to a disguised Dan and Lori, now calling themselves Mr. and Mrs. Hollis. Oh. Oh, yeah. How and long now is they're going to take for people to find out that password. Yeah, really. <laughs> they should have been a little bit more creative with the name they came up with. But now they're both blonde. Mm-hmm. And Dan has a mustache. I wish Lori also had a mustache <laughs> <laughs> to further the we, disguise. We can, we can draw it on there. Sally tells Lori she thought she was dead and is happy to see her. In their brief time together, um, Lori tells her that she knows who her father really was. And Sally is embarrassed and tries to explain. But Lori hugs her and they make amends. And it's actually a really great scene mm-hmm. because it's one of they still have kind of a little bit of that passive aggressive give and take but at the same time, we see true affection between them. And we see, I feel like, a very genuine, honest expression of, of their feelings, which I think is important for the closure for those two characters. And also, Dan gets a Christmas present. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> you know what you want uh, for Christmas is a uh, porno mag of your mother-in-law. <laughs> Uh, That's on every good boy's list. <laughs> That's what I asked Sarah for Christmas this year. Like, 
As they leave, Dan and Lori contemplate their future. Lori wants to change from Silk Spectre to something tougher and mentions something with a mask and a gun, which I take as something more like the comedian, which I think mm-hmm. is interesting. Yeah, so maybe something leather. Something yeah. leather with a mask too. and I want to carry a gun. Yeah. I forget something. She says something like that. Yeah. yeah. Alone in her house, Sally holds the picture of the Minutemen and kisses Edward Blake. I really like that image, too, of the lipstick kiss over his face, even though the whole scene is, like, sort of complicated and involved. Just that image is really... And she's sitting on the bed crying. She's got a bottle of uh, the nostalgia next to her as she... She must have stocked up before they phased it out. (laughs) She doesn't want that newfangled millennium crap. She was their only customer. (laughs) She loves hot dogs. Um, (laughs) No, I was going to say, you mentioned how complicated that last scene is, and I agree, because... Through this whole thing, the reader went along that roller coaster of, of, you know, hating him and judging him. And not that he shouldn't have been judged, but it was way more complicated than that. And this really brings it home with her feelings uh, about what happened between them and where that ended up. Yeah. And uh, I just think it was a very, very cool arc of that whole sideline. In New York, the streets are now clear and things are different. We see that nostalgia perfume has been replaced by millennium and it has like roman looking people blonde i knew it didn't make sense but my initial thought was like some aryan national (laughs) imagery yeah well if you read his memos he talks about wanting it to be utopian i mean so i'm seeing like Mm. kind of like a a utopian society so yeah maybe but yeah Mm. they're they're very blonde a newspaper box shows a headline uh, saying RR to run in 88, referring to Robert Redford. They must have asked uh, Bubastis if that was going to be happening. <laughs> and his prophecy came true. <laughs> I just noticed, what are these little ball on pedestal with a lightning bolt? What are those? It's an electric like, car charger. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. They are. There's a, they're in the previous around. a little bit. I, yeah, well, yeah. I didn't. I saw. I noticed the lightning bolt in like the destruction scenes, and then I saw it again, and I realized that they're like everywhere. Yeah, the the kid reading um, Black Freighter because that's where that is. It's the newsstand, but oh, okay. yeah, there's yeah. a part where he's sitting on one, and the guy wants yeah. him yeah. to move to charge his car. Yeah, and he's also oh. like, yeah, these are warm, so that's why I come here and like sit there because yeah, it's all come together. Now. Yeah. So at the new Frontiersman office. Seymour walks in with lunch and discusses what to run in the upcoming edition with the editor, who just wants him to find whatever, find something. As Seymour eats a burger from what? Burgers and Borscht, I think is the name of the place. Which I was actually waiting to point out because I I love how through this scene leading to the office, you see the changes. Burgers and Borscht, you know, the blending of the two cultures. Across the street, there's something about Tarkovs. Oh, yes. So you got the, the Russian influence there. But then also, um, down here, you've got, instead of the Tales from the uh, Freighter, we got Tales from the Morgue. It's like, oh, it's yeah. kind of the same, but different. Uh, there was one more here. Oh, the Prometheus Cab is under new management. So it's it's kind of showing the, the rebuilding, that the same, but different, nothing ever ends situation. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah. Yep. Right next to the Vice Sneakers. Watch the skies instead of who watches the watchman. So the the whole focus has changed. So he's eating a burger and a drop of ketchup falls onto his smiley face shirt. The last panel is his hand hovering over Rorschach's journal in the crank file as the editor tells him, I leave it entirely in your hands. They're talking about what to run 
run whatever you want, whatever. I leave it entirely in your hands, which is a very, I don't know, I feel like that's one of those things that has multiple meanings within the story. Well, it rotates right back to the beginning where it starts mm-hmm. with the journal entries. Yeah, which would make it very buried in a pile of garbage stories that people are going to skim over and, and write off as like conspiracy theory or whatever. That also plays into like the a lot of the themes of like fate and destiny and Rorschach really is like the chaos element. And it was like, well, Adrian Veidt didn't expect him to be chronicling everything going on and send it to this trash mm-hmm. daily stormer esque piece of crap ma- magazine I, l- I love that well adrian Veidt didn't plan for this rorschach got his in the end he got the justice he was looking for but go- going back to your idea of fate as well he doesn't have the journal in his hand yet we, we know it's potential yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but he might grab that letter laying on top or that one right below or yeah. any of those he could just know? sift it right to the side so like, it we may, don't know we it don't may know. disappear he could yeah. set his burger on top of it yeah, yeah. yeah. i feel like that <laughs> last line too also is can be to the reader even and just saying it's a very ambiguous ending that's allowing us to come to our own conclusions about what happens after that last panel also maybe even come to your own conclusions about what this all means because and and I want to get to this in a second but I think well, I know so just reading a lot of stuff online and watching there's a lot of things written and a lot of YouTube videos about this book oh yeah that, and so. just people discussing it people dissecting it and everybody has a little bit of a different takeaway which is really interesting to me and I mean I, that's true for all books obviously but for this one it's very polarizing in some ways but yeah i do want to get to that i I will say real quick though the the chapter and book ends with a quote from john kale it would be a stronger world a loving world to die in do you guys know who john kale is i do not he uh yeah he's a he i believe he was a member of the velvet underground okay okay then yes and then he made his own self uh his own self-titled stuff or his own like you know solo act some of it's really good i haven't listened to it in a long time but it's really really good i love his music so i guess I do want to ask everybody, we don't have to go around, we can just just discuss, I mean, what what is your takeaway? What do you feel, what do you feel it means? And I mean, obviously, there's a lot to take from that, but is it just a story? Is it meaningful? Is it symbolic? Is it, does it resonate with you in a way deeper than just a, just a story? Because for me, it, it's something that I can, I've come back to and read multiple times at this point. And Sometimes I'll read something and then I'll go back and read it again or I'll think about it more and I'll go, yeah, it was really awesome while I was reading it. But then looking back, I I start to see all the flaws in it and all the issues I have with it and start to feel that it's stupid or not what I originally thought it was. And I haven't had that happen with this book in that way. To me, it holds up. Yeah, there's stuff about it that I laugh at or I think is silly, but all the things that I love about it and all the things that work for me about it outweigh all of that Mm -hmm. and really just don't matter to me. So it changed my life. I am a masked vigilante now. Um, (laughs) Good to know. What's your your vigilante name? We already discussed it. It was um, Hot Dog Dan. Oh, yep. Of course, of course. I I really think you should have stuck with Bad Katie. Yeah. It was my choice. I feel like people um, would know it was her. Yeah. Yeah, it's not very... <laughs> now that there's They wouldn't Dan. know which one. Well, they would know it's the bad one. Yeah, but. the bad Katie. <laughs> but I'm a good person. <laughs> that's when I, when that's the, the thing. That's yeah. why it'd be so confusing. <laughs> I would say that for me, one of the, 
my biggest takeaways from this um, whole book would be there's always been like whenever I heard about Watchmen, I always heard a lot of praise for how dark it was and how mature it was. And there's certainly that in this book. And I'm not meaning to kind of brush that aside. But I feel like when hearing that, my first thought was kind of like, oh, this is going to be like some really grim stuff. And there's absolutely grim stuff in here. But I feel like everybody's worldview within this and the worldview kind of like pushed is everything's shitty, everything sucks, people suck, you know, there's a lot of bad stuff happening. But while that's partially true, within that, there's still a lot of beautiful things, whether it's the visual beauty, whether it's seeing people come together and bond and help each other, even though in the macro, people will look at nuclear war, people ready to kill each other, people ready to turn on each other, that there's still that element of humanity and beauty within that so that is worth preserving but when you have this detachment whether it's john's detachment or adrian's detachment a lot of that detail gets lost and that kind of dooms a lot of people because they just couldn't see there was hope still there granted we don't know if nuclear war was inevitable that didn't happen in our reality but this reality is still a little different because of the presence of superpowers and mm-hmm. you know other various factors but still there's just a lot there that kind of got ignored when it comes to the when it came to the like big master plans or big world views and i just kind of took a lot out of it from that where it made me actually a little bit more optimistic about things i would say surprisingly <laughs> for me watchman was always like i'm always the person where i need somebody else to tell me what's good at some points <clears throat> like to help guide my taste in some ways like hey this is the best thing. And I'm like, sure, I'll try it. I'll see what, if it's good. If I think it's good, it's good. Watchmen is always kind of that comic book. This is the best comic book ever made. It's so good. Hold it above your head. Walk up to Mount Olympus. Uh, praise your, your gods, Dave Gibbons and Alan Moore. <laughs> and pay your specs. Now fuck off and go read something else. And... I always just was like, yeah, it's good. It's great. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, from a teenager up until, but like doing this podcast and really just like sitting down two days a week and just reading the fuck out of this book, sitting there, taking notes, really understanding like what's going on. It really helped me really appreciate this and really understand what makes this so good. And to me before it was, you know, it was the art. It was, it's so beautiful. And now it's the message. It is this weird kind of like nihilistic hopefulness we will we in the end we will all destroy each other but maybe not maybe there's good in the hearts of humans maybe it exists maybe we could save something for ourselves and it's it's beautiful it's tragic it's hopeful and everything and it's complicated and it makes comic books not fucking corny as hell, which yeah. is uh, which is a success. And after this, I mean, it's like, what else happens? Sin City, we got The Dark Knight. We got tons of other Wanted by uh, fucking Mark, whatever his name is, Kick-Ass, another one by the same guy. We get all these wonderful adult comic books, adult. But this is where it all starts, and this is where it's done the best, and it is a Citizen Kane, you know. Every time I think about it, that's that's what it is. When we talk about takeaways from this, I think the word you kept repeating is what comes to me is is maybe. I don't think there's a takeaway. I mean, for every individual, there's a takeaway, but I don't think either Moore or Gibbon sat down and said, this is what we're saying. And what they did is they, in a, in a pure genius sense, planted unnumbered seeds 
and just let the reader go. Here is a multitude of possibilities. Here's a multitude of topics and things for you to think about and discuss and see what you each individually take away. And I don't think there is a solid message other than what every individual takes from it. I disagree, and I've got a list of straight facts. Fantastic. <laughs> um, number Bad one, Katie. don't trust smart people. Word. A hundred, yep. Weirdos always mean well, and also don't mess with them. <laughs> Sex is both good and bad. Owls are cool. Be yourself. Talk to your mom. Don't go I, near yes. nuclear reactors. <laughs> Pirates have spooky stories. Yep. Squids are from space. Mars has no Is that facts? Yes. It wasn't a space squid, though. There are many videos that I can show you that prove it. <laughs> Magicians get cancer and die. Keep track of how many sugar cubes you have. And comedians aren't funny. <laughs> Damn, way to cut close to the heart there at the end. Damn, son. I take back everything I just said. Katie, uh, you're ripping Katie has figured it out. For me, going into this, I had never read Watchmen before and I didn't know anything about it. I'd seen it in comic book stores all the time and at bookstores and everywhere and nobody had really sat down and been like, this is what it's about or you need to read it because it's really great because of this. So I really appreciated going into it blind and for me, I when I read, I always try and empathize with the characters whether they're assholes or whatever. I try and figure out where they're coming from and this book just does that so beautifully with every single character you see how complex they are and you can really even the ones that do terrible things you can relate to them and understand why they're doing what they're doing my takeaway from it whether it's what you're doing or what you believe in is good or bad whether you're sacrificing something from for yourself or your community it has to be something that you are wholeheartedly going into and willing to die for if you're going to make a commitment to it yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I really appreciate going through this with all of you because I would not have gotten as much out of it if I hadn't been sitting with so many different oh, people word. with so many different perspectives Absolutely. to point out yeah. all these things that I totally missed. And there were so many times when we were all talking about things and somebody would say something and I would be like, whoa, I never even thought about that. That's an amazing... Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, tons of times. I'm really surprised no one else caught the Robert Redford thing from Bubastis. I feel personally proud of <laughs> finding that little nugget. I think I think my favorite thing about this is the good versus evil aspect. That's always been my favorite thing from like day one. It's is there good? Is there evil? Does it matter? I feel and, like there's a lot of ambiguity in that too about yeah. what is good and what mm -hmm. is evil. Yeah, it's like did Adrian and I love that's why I love the last thing Adrian says. Or it's like, did I do a good thing? And it's like, nothing ever ends. You yeah, know? yeah. God, I saw a T-shirt online that says Ozymandias was right, <laughs> 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 and I kind of want it. <laughs> Do you think Ozymandias is right? No, but I, I do want the shirt. <laughs> you, you don't think he's right? I no? don't think so. No? Well, well I don't yeah. know. Let's go around and yeah, ask I was say, uh, yeah, See, that's, like... it's too complicated. It's not a yes or no yeah. thing for me. Oh, for yeah. me, it's like a, I guess maybe sort of kind of been in like the worst possible way. Can I put a lot of qualifiers on my answer? I don't think, I don't think he was right, but I don't think he was wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
here's the thing. There's always unintended consequences for anything that you do. So even if he prevented nuclear war, that's not to say that it prevented something even worse from happening or something that was equally bad. And that's the truth about anything. You can look back at any moment in history and say, oh, if this didn't happen, well, maybe that wouldn't have happened and we would be in a better place. But then who knows what else would have happened? Yeah. So yeah, that's it. You guys, we've solved Watchmen. You guys, the Whoa. answer was John. John knows what would have happened. <laughs> There's too many tachyons. 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 <laughs> Midichlorians. <laughs> every time Tachyons came up in the book, there's a Death Grip song called Tachyon. Uh, and every time I just hear like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Katie, I think you need to to take um, Andrew's point to your list there. I think he found one that you didn't. And that is the, the truth of the fact that actors with the initials RR make great presidents. Hands down. <laughs> Quote, unquote. <laughs> Watch so does that mean Ryan Reynolds 2020? Yeah. Oh, Dude, hell yeah. Down. Totally down. Who's his running man? I mean. Kanye does. Pikachu. Hell okay, yeah. No, Here we go. No, okay, okay, no. okay. Now I'm out. As soon as you put Kanye in, I'm out. As long as it's not the homophobic okay. Kanye right now. Like. Kanye, Kanye has Jesus on his side now. He can't 2006 lose. Kanye. All the more reason okay, to be done go. with him. I yeah. like the old Kanye. Straight from the soul Kanye? What an interesting note no, to No, so that's it. That's it. That's it. Um, yeah, we will be back with uh, discussion on the show. Until then, thank you, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.